1: Hey everyone, Matt Straup here welcoming you to the Roto-World Fantasy Basketball Podcast. It is Wednesday, October 23rd, the first fully stacked day of the NBA season. Of course, the season got underway on Tuesday night, but it really hits full stride today on Wednesday. And this week, the Roto-World Hoops crew had a pretty monumental event take place. I think I may have just overused the word monumental, but we had our first... Roto-World Basketball Crew Fantasy Draft, meaning the Roto-World Crew is battling it out in a fantasy league. We had a draft on Monday night. It got heated. It got intense. Friendships ended. It was a lot of fun. We had a great draft. Today on the show, we've got Tommy Beer joining us to talk about his team. A little bit after that, well, directly after that, Steve Alexander and Ryan Knauss will be here to break down their teams. We'll talk about my squad as well. During this Roto-World fantasy basketball draft, there was a lot of chatter going on in the chat room, quite a bit of, of talking back and forth. However, during this draft, there was also one silent assassin. There was a guy sitting in the draft room just making his picks. I don't even think he was heard from once in the chat. That man is the owner of the team Beer here, Tommy Beer. Tommy, you were just laying back in the bushes during this draft.
2: Uh yes, I am not a big talker during uh fan d- during fantasy drafts. To be honest, I I usually have th- at least two or three cheat sheets in front of me. Okay, uh, and and it just so happened I had two fantasy football games um, be in the balance um, during Monday Night Football, so uh was keeping an eye on that as well. I was setting my lineups for this week and the other leagues that I've drafted. So um, yeah, it was a uh,
1: multitasking.
2: Yes. Yes. Exactly.
1: No bandwidth for the for the draft banter. <laughs> uh, how did your football matches turn out?
2: I was 0 4 this week. So yes, beautiful, Oof. lovely. Um, James White basically beat me by about three yards. So not, you know, it was one of those worst case scenarios. We have to stay up late and watch an awful game and still lose in fantasy. So um, yeah, uh, on to next week, right? Uh,
1: yeah. And by the way, th- this is not a fantasy basketball, a fantasy football podcast. But do you ever find yourself marveling like during the Monday night game that – you know, any play that happens, how like just a random like five yard run, how many fantasy matchups that just decided? A,
2: a you hundred, know, a hundred percent, thousands. <laughs> you, you know, if if you, that, yeah. especially late in the season. You know, think about millions of dollars. You know, twenty dollar yeah. leagues, hundred dollar leagues, times you know a hundred thousand. You know, but absolutely, yeah. like a I, I my 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 famous all time story is um, I lost my Super Bowl one year because Matt Forte, the old Chicago running back. It, would, it We were tied. I was winning at the end of regulation of the Monday night game in Super Bowl week, but the game went to overtime, and no. I was still winning with about I don't know seven minutes left or whatever, ten seconds before the game was decided. But because Matt, because they ran into the middle of the you know to set up their field goal kicker, they ran into the middle of the field. Matt Forte lost two yards, and I lost my Super Bowl by one point because of that run to set up a field goal. Wow. Kick. So that is my wow. all-time favorite story, um, and yes,
1: but that's yeah. brutal. But by the way, don't don't you the old Chicago running back me? First of all, <laughs> he hasn't been gone for that long. Second of all, I I am well well old enough to know who Matt Forte. is.
2: I know, I know. Just just uh, you know, just a couple years ago, people <laughs> yeah. you know. He was forget. old when he retired. Exactly, I exactly. I think he was old when he was drafted. At, at a yeah.
1: boys, I think. Oh man, Matt Forte was a fun fantasy player for a while. Yes. Okay. But we're here to talk about, we had a Roto World League um, draft on Sunday night. Monday night? That was Monday night. Um, night. Just before the start of the season. Uh, I believe it's 10 of us uh, Roto World crew guys and a couple of... Roto-World readers, I'd say, right? Isn't that the best way to describe it?
2: I think that's... I, I, Obviously, I didn't... I, J- Jared, our, our buddy Jared Johnson set the league up. I wasn't sure who the, the the extra two or three guys... But they were talking trash already. So it, yeah. was, uh, it was interesting to see. That it was a feisty
1: head. feisty crowd. I, I think the Roto-World readers added some some yeah. juice to the draft yes, room. Yes. Especially since Tommy wasn't chatting. Uh, <laughs> all right. So we're going to talk... We can talk any just general impressions about the draft if you want. But we're, we're mostly going to spend our time here uh, talking about your team, Tommy. You... Had the number seven pick. And I mean, it's a no brainer there. You just take Dame Lillard.
2: Yeah, I guess. I mean, I don't love Lillard there at seven. But uh, I, to me, it's an I, I think after six, I think there's a drop-off after six. I, I'd prefer to have you know Jokic. I think there's a, a relatively uh, significant drop-off between Jokic and Lillard. Uh, but I definitely can't complain. I'd much rather seven than nine or ten, somewhere in that range. Um, so I was certainly content. I don't have any Dame shares. Um, this is the only Dame share I have this season, so I was happy to get Lillard uh, in the mix.
1: Yeah, he's not a guy I've had on that many fantasy teams over the years, but I, right. I have him in multiple leagues this year, and I'm— I'm looking forward to it. I yes. feel like it's it's one of those things that once you have him on your roster, you're like, oh, man, this guy's great to have on a fantasy team.
2: Of course, he ha- he hasn't missed a game in about 10 years, or more than two games in about 10 years, so I'm sure i will miss yeah. half the year this year, but we'll
1: see. <laughs> All right, so at 18—this is a 12-team league—at 18, you pull LeBron James off the board. That's a very on-brand Tommy pick, and I think at 18, it's hard to argue with LeBron
2: Oh, I loved it, Matt. It might have been my favorite pick of the draft. I was seriously considering LeBron at seven. Um, if I was at nine or ten, I might have taken him, um, just because I don't, I don't, I think I have him on one other team, but no other money leagues. Um so I, I definitely want a lot of shares LeBron just the way my where I fell in draft orders this year it really didn't lend itself to to uh to reaching for LeBron. So I was ecstatic to get him in the second round. Um I really really am happy that I got him there. I think he could be a real difference maker. I'm very high on LeBron bandwagon this season. I think he um, it lands in the top three of MVP voting. I think I'm going to pick him to win the MVP, actually. Um, I assume that's a bit of a hot take. But um, I love LeBron b- bouncing back this year, reminding folks he is, in fact, the best player on planet Earth in the game of basketball. Um, I think the Lakers will have a solid squad, and LeBron will uh, be a dominant force this season.
1: You were the – on one of our pods, I can't remember if it was off season or late last season, you had a whole rant about how LeBron has people telling him, you know – you know... Yeah. <laughs> Giannis Antetokounmpo is better than you. All these these, uh, Kawhi Leonard's better than you.
2: Exactly. These are the best players in the game. People do do not forget how good LeBron James is. Yes, I know he's 34 years old. Yes, I know he only played in 55 games last season. But guess what? That means for the first time since he was, you know, uh, taking uh, Algebra 2 when he was 18 (laughs) years old, he had a couple months off from basketball. No postseason, extended postseason runs. If you look at the minutes he played over the last 10 years, he's by far and away the leader. So I think he's going to come back for. refreshed um and, and really ready to dominate
1: I, I mean ageism is a powerful thing in these fantasy drafts we're not here to talk about we're i'm going to talk with ryan and steve about my team in a bit but i mean dude al horford falls so far kyle lowry fell really far to me in this draft like at some point i have no choice everyone and especially when you're in these leagues with like roto world people or just really avid fantasy basketball players they are so eager to get the young guys and get the guys on the rise, which I totally understand. But that can really be exploited in these drafts.
2: Matt, you and I are, are in the minority of folks that are willing to content and kind of let the draft board fall to us. Um, I just I, I find it... Uh, I, I'm, I'm sort of shocked. Not shocked, but I just—I I really disagree with the philosophy that you have to reach, you know, two or three rounds. At, you know, like Zach Collins could have a good year, but he'd have to so far exceed anything he's ever done on the NBA level to justify a pick in the '70s or '80s. That I'm just definitely not willing to reach there. Give me Gallinari. Give me Kevin Love. Yeah. Give me Al Horford. Give me those guys all day, every day. Um, because if they play up to their expectations, they don't have to exceed expectations. They just have to avoid injury to yeah. d- d- drastically exceed their average draft position. While the other guys have to do things they've never done before to even come close to matching their ADP. So, yes, I love cleaning up uh, veterans and, and unsexy, boring guys. Like, like we've talked about a million times, the Ingalls right. of the world and those type of dudes.
1: Yeah, I mean, I try to combo it up a little bit. but Yes, yes. But yeah, I mean, no doubt. So, so you do go spicy with your third round pick. This is the thirty first pick overall. I took Mitchell Robinson off the board at twenty four. I assumed you I did cursed, not think you were going to get him.
2: And I cursed you under my breath. I didn't think I was going to get him, um, but I, but I was hoping. I've seen him fall a little bit. Um, yeah, you know. But uh, yeah, I assumed you would take him. But I knew Gallagher was going to take Bam. So I was I was right. hoping either he or Kawhi were going to fall to me.
1: Yeah, you might have gotten him if I had been a total Hawks homer and taken John Collins, which is who you took at 31. Um, And I can't argue with that pick. I love Collins anytime starting around 25.
2: Uh, yeah, I'm con- certainly content with it. I don't have any Collins shares, so I was happy to get a little piece of him. I think that Hawks offense is very intriguing, very exciting. Tons of upside, tons of points. They're going to be horrible defensively, um, which means they're going to be a shootout on in a shootout on a nightly basis. Um, like I said, Kawhi went two picks ahead of me. I was really hoping he'd fall, but uh, I thought he was one of the better values. Definitely the best value of round three. Um, but yeah, definitely content. I was also considering Westbrook at my pick. Westbrook went the pick after me. And, but I'm worried about those finger injuries, and I'm not high in Westbrook at all. Um, definitely not in the top two rounds, and even even in the third rounds, a bit of a reach. So I was content with Collins. Didn't love it, but liked it.
1: All right, so we're gonna group a few picks together here in four, round four, five, and six at 42, 55, and 66. You take Chris Paul, Larry Markkinen, and Hassan Whiteside. So Paul is a guy we've talked about before. Um, you took him at 38th, I think, in the. Yahoo, was that the Yahoo Friends and Family draft? I think so. Yep. Um, Markin though, is a bit of an upside guy for you. Tell me about that.
2: Uh, yeah, just uh, quickly on Paul, I've drafted him. I think in, in the vast majority of my leagues, he's been dropping really, really far. I think people are too afraid about what could happen in OKC. Again, to our point, an old dude um, with a really high floor as long as he stays healthy. Mark and I thought is just you know flying under the radar a little bit this year. Yes, he is injury prone, um, but again, if he stays healthy, um, he's a guy that's going to provide a ton of threes, solid rebounds, solid field goal percentage, has some position versatility. Um, so I was con- really content with that pick. Um, it was between him and. Randall. Randall went right after me. I was really going back and forth. I would have been happy with either one. Maybe have a little buyer's remorse, but um, I think um, marketing finished in the top 35 or or top 40 um, in nine cat leagues last year. Yeah. And Whiteside in round 6, um he's a guy that I, I again, I'm really really high on this season. Uh surprised he's fallen outside the top 50, outside the top 60. I think I got him in the 70s in one league. Um again, this is a guy that is capable of averaging 13-14 rebounds a night, blocking two or three shots. I I think his value is very much depressed due to the terrible season in Miami last year. He gets a fresh lease on life in Portland's um, limited competition for minutes. So uh, give me Whiteside all day.
1: All right, your next three picks in round 7, 8, and 9 are Victor Oladipo at 79, Larry Nance at 90, who I think you must have in about 35 leagues based yes. on every, everything I've yeah. heard from you, and then Mark Gasol at 103. I mean, this is uh, an interesting combo here because you have one of the old dudes we talked about, Gasol. Yeah. We, we get it. Nance, who's kind of in between being a super young guy and an old dude. And Victor Oladipo, who is a complete wild card, but at 79, why not?
2: I reached for Oladipo. Um, I don't. You're have, not feeling great about that. I'm not feeling great about it, but uh, important to note this that we have an R- IR spot in in this league. Um, I wouldn't have taken him there if we didn't. So I can stash him on the bench. And I've just been encouraged um, by what I've seen on the clips coming out of Pacers camp and by the up uh, by the uh, blurb this week um, that he's participating in five on five full contact. Um, he's a guy that got himself into terrific shape and won the most uh, most improved player award um, two years ago. I know he wasn't great last season before getting hurt, but the guys around this draft, the guys that went in front of him, you know, Derek Favors, Fred Van Vliet, Gallinari and Love were two guys I were considering that went after him. But in terms of upside, he could be a real difference maker they're going to need him to play well. I think he's motivated to come back. He, he will be a focal point of the offense going forward once he does return. If he comes back by Christmas, you know, I definitely would be very happy. I'd love to see him come back in, in early December. And it sounds like there's actually a decent possibility of him getting back in late November, early December. So if that case, you know, if I only miss, say, 15 games from Oladipo, um, I think that uh, he's a, he could be a real steal there in terms of value.
1: This is I should say a pretty deep league. We drafted um over 100 and, what 180 something players. Yep. Oh, we drafted 192 players if okay. you're counting at home. Uh and I think that cuts two, you know one of two ways with taking a risk on an injury guy like Oladipo or taking Paul George early. I mean, team, teams are not as deep, so if it pans out for you, that's just an even bigger boost for your squad, right? Yep. Then it would be otherwise, if it doesn't pan out, it's a bigger risk because, you know, you can't afford to have that dead spot on your roster. Um, <laughs>
2: True, but on on in such a deep league, their the rosters are so you you have to start so many players that there's somebody's gonna start a guy that only averages seventeen minutes a night, you know. So right. you, you, it's right. not as damaging having a, a terrible guy at the end of your you know, as your sixteenth guy or whatever, how many how many of guys are starting
1: tonight? I was looking at my roster and I was th- I was like, Oh, I may be starting Kobe White this week. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> or Derek Jones Jr. Uh so that's how deep this league is. All right. Tommy, uh after around 10 and 11 and I, and I commented Dwayne Deadman is the point at which any draft crosses over into nothingness beyond it. Uh, that's what I've decided. I've decided Dwayne Dedman is the line. Past the I, Dwayne Dedman line, nothing good happens. Very I, few good things.
2: I agree with you. It's like staying out to the club after 2 o'clock. You know? like, just come yeah. home. Then nothing good is going to happen. If it hasn't happened yet, it's it's not going to happen. So, um, yeah, Dwayne Dedman
1: is 2 a.m. Yeah, we should just call him 2 a.m. Yes, fantasy draft. I like
2: it. Hashtag 2 a.m.
1: So so you took Marcus Smart at 114, Dwayne Dedman at 127. Uh, let's talk about those two guys briefly, and then if there's anyone else from your squad you want to talk about, we can we can throw them in as well.
2: Yeah, I think Smart's a guy that I love getting in the, the late, uh, you know, this was uh, around one 115 or so. I think he has the potential to be a, a top 100 fantasy guy. Um, you know, he's not going to have any, uh, you know, 25-point, you know, 10-assist games, but every night he's going to get you a couple steals, hit some threes. Um, four or five rebounds. Just a high floor guy. He's going to get plenty of playing time in Boston. Um, and as you mentioned, Dedman um, is a guy that has some upside, but also a decently high floor in Sacramento. So, um, you know, this late in the draft, I was, um, you know, just. Uh, Thibault went later in the round. Um, I, I think I probably, in retrospect, probably would have pulled the trigger on him had I known he was going to go. And Looney was a guy that went right before him. Um, but yeah, I was content with Dedman.
1: Cool. And, and so your last five picks are Dwight Howard, Ish Smith, Thaddeus Young, Dario Sarch, and Cody Zeller. Again, we're in super deep league territory. No one's final five picks look exciting in any way so do you want to give a sales pitch on any of those guys or are we just calling this a deep league and that's fine
2: I'm actually happy I was real happy with my late round guys again you know kind of to our point I just went with the boring conservative route you know while, while other guys were reaching for uh, Anthony Simons which would have made sense in my in my case because especially because I have Dave Mueller early on um I, I would have taken him late but you know the the Mo Bambas of the world the, the Jake Limans and and you know other guys with Bruno Fernando so some other guys with high upside. I just went with a guy, you know, Zeller's probably going to play 27 minutes a night, especially right. in a deep league. Now, there are there's two types of deep leagues. One where there's a ton of bench spots, you know, but some other leagues where you start a lot of guys. Um, and this happens right. to be one of those type of leagues. So I want guys. I love Dwight Howard. I, I think, again, he's one of those guys that I'm really surprised is falling. Um, I, I think I have him in all the leagues I've drafted. This is a guy that's average a double-double basically every year he's ever played in the NBA. Um, I understand JaVale McGee' going to play uh, 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 he's going to start and, and see his line sh- and see the line share of minutes at center, probably. but the Lakers didn't have anybody at center last year, and McGee only played 22 minutes a night anyway. So, I can easily see uh, Howard playing 20 minutes a night. If he's playing well, 25, 28 minutes a night, giving me 14 points, nine rebounds. Um, hopefully, he doesn't hurt me in free throws. But he's a guy, again, that's productive. And, and you know, with all the talent there uh, on the Lakers squad, they don't have much depth at center. So, I, I really like him putting up numbers. And it's it Smith, again, is a similar guy. Very limited point guard play in Washington. He's going to average, you know, 27, 28 minutes a night and, uh, you know, put up DJ Augustine numbers. So, sign me up.
1: <laughs> uh, Howard is a guy I feel similarly. I feel similarly about DeAndre Jordan, who I took 17 picks before Howard at yep. 121st. Like yep. in a platoon, a veteran guy, a proven guy. He's not, you know, he's dropping because he's in a platoon with Jared Allen. But DeAndre Jordan's going to play, yep. and he's going to play probably close to half the game. Some yes. nights more, some nights less. But that's going to even out to to pretty serviceable numbers uh, overall.
2: Absolutely. I mean, listen, they gave him a forty million dollar, you know, ten million dollars a year contract. They didn't do that to to play him on the bench. And he's going to give He's going to make all his field goals. He's going to give you high percentage and give you rebounds and blocks. And uh, you know, in the one hundreds and one twenties, he's been falling. That's around 10 ten, eleven. That makes a lot of sense.
1: All right. If you are not following Tommy on Twitter already, it is at Tommy Beer. He will be joining us on the Wednesday podcast regularly. He will not be chatting in any more fantasy drafts. He has (laughs) any last minute drafts. Tommy, thanks for taking the time, man. We will talk to you soon.
2: Thanks for having me, buddy. Be good.
1: We bring in now the law firm of Alexander and Knauss. Dr. A and Ryan Knauss are here. Uh, We all took part in the Roto World Fantasy draft that we've been talking about. The first ever? Is this the first ever like full on Roto World League guys? First ever. Yeah. yeah. Inaugural Man. event. Monumental. Monumental. Because I was gonna be actually pretty upset if this had been happening every year and I just hadn't been invited. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we can talk a little bit about you guys you guys' squads. Ryan, sure. Where'd you pick Steve? Steve you Ryan, you picked eighth. Steve you picked tenth. I picked first. You sure I did. So I took Steph Curry first. I don't know if you guys knew that was coming, but I've been talking about it. This is the first draft where I had the number one overall picks. So I felt like I needed to actually do what I've been talking about doing, so I did it. That
3: surprised me. I, I have yet to see Steph go first. So you were the first one in nine drafts that I've done. Really, Real drafts, I should say. I've seen him go in mocks, but yeah, never, never gone first. that officially
1: makes it a hot take. A
3: little I bit. Took,
1: I took Steph Curry number one in one of my leagues. Oh, you did. Okay. Now, I mean, I'm definitely going off of something that happened like four years, three or four years ago. But before he played with Kevin Durant, you might recall he was he was pretty, yeah, pretty ridiculous. Good player. And I think <laughs> he still has the same skill set. I'm pretty sure. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, why not? Right. I mean, I, I could definitely go safe and take Karl-Anthony Towns. Which I, I get why one would do that, but I just didn't feel like doing that. And, I, and I've been talking about taking stuff first, so I feel like it would be disingenuous of me not to do it. <laughs>
3: and I think in 9cat, in that's the spot to do it. Um, you know, he his game just checks all the boxes in this league. As you point out, he's going to be the alpha and omega for the Warriors this year. Uh, you know, he's got Dre next to him, but he's more of a table setter kind of glue guy. Um,
1: as good as he is, it's it's going to be the, the Steph Curry show. And again, when the, the last season he played without Kevin Durant, he was the runaway number one player. I think he hits that mark on a per-game basis, or at least comes close to it. It's just how many games will he play. But we asked that about so many players at this point that yeah. there's, not, there's not a lot of differentiation. Uh, yeah, I think, I think Curry's going to win the MVP.
4: I'm fine with taking him at number one. I took him at number one in one. I'd had another number one pick, and I, I was all set to take carl anthony towns but uh andy Barron's video came on and he he somehow convinced <laughs> me that anthony davis might be might be a better way to go so i i was really confused and and just panicked and took davis
3: is that all it took it took was andy baron's putting a little poison in your ear before the draft Pretty much. I was he's like, a very yeah, I'm person cat <laughs> he's
4: but, very you know, persuasive I, like, I, lo- I i do love anthony davis though too so whatever
1: He's well-spoken and very persuasive. I would probably buy, like, a used car from that guy. <laughs> That's true. Uh, So, Ryan, you pick eighth and you take one Bradley Beal, who I think is the pick for me had I been picking eighth in any league. I think, assuming that the yeah. top seven go to form, I think Beal is the next safest, best choice. I appreciate
3: your support, Thank Matt. You. And You're I, I, I also think Bradley Beal is the pick at eight. Uh, I'm not too worried. You know, Mike and I talked about does his new extension make him a little bit more likely to rest down the stretch? He doesn't have that incentive to to make All NBA. Um, you know, maybe the Wizards want to protect him a little more towards the end of the season and they overrule him even if he wants to play. But I'm not too worried about that. He's coming off an 82 game season. The Warriors or Wizards, rather, were terrible last year, so I don't see why that equation would change very much so he's good I will say that number eight is my least favorite spot to pick I know uh Steve in a later draft last night had the number eight eight spot I feel like the top seven is so clearly defined you got the top five guys and then Jokic and Lillard um maybe not in that order. I think I took and I then I took Beal at number yeah. eight in that one too right
1: I think you did yeah, yeah and I didn't and,
4: get Trey and I didn't get Lucas go ahead Hang on a second
1: yeah you guys did another draft after this one on Monday night and at midnight
4: last yeah, night, I also did one. I also did one before this one as well.
1: Wow, I was all I was all t- tucked into bed, and you guys are just firing up another draft. <laughs> wow, bravo! Uh, and th- I, I guess the invite to that one must have gone to my spam folder. Uh, so, Steve, you pick tenth, and you take the mayor of Atlanta, Trey Young, which I love. Obviously, I took him twelfth in the Yahoo Friends and Family League. This, you know, you, you've been going Trey and Luka whenever you can. You're, you're screaming it from the rooftops. So you're well positioned at 10 and 15 to get Trey Young and Luka Doncic. However, Darth Nader, Jonas Nader, lives up to his name. and just steals Luka Doncic from you at 14.
4: Yeah, I had, I had Luka all penciled in at 15, especially after Jonas ripped me, ripped my uh, live draft team that we did for the video show draft and uh you know there i think i took luca at like 14 and jonas was jonas said maybe you can take luca at 20 in a points league well this isn't even a points league i mean this has got <laughs> wow. percentages that are going to hurt him it's, it's got turnovers that are going to hurt him so the last person i thought was going to take Uh, Luka Doncic right in front of me was Jonas Nader but I think he just did it to spite you I do too and I mean there I think I think when we're all together and we know what each of us wants to do I mean I don't think it's any accident that I took uh, Shea Gilgis Alexander before Mike Gallagher picked next and I don't think it's any accident that he took Karis Levert before it came back to me and I I think we were just kind of sniping each other and having fun
1: Well, I think Jonas either took Doncic to spite you, or he was just playing the long con with his draft criticism before, uh, Mm. and he was planning to take him all along, and he sacrificed, (laughs) you know, in that column, he basically lied to people and said he didn't like him when he actually did just to set up this draft. That's my theory.
3: (laughs) That's the Roto-World
1: brand right there. Then I took the Andre Ayton uh, when
4: Luka got sniped. But I'm pretty good with that. I mean, I love Ayton this year. Um, You know, starting
1: off with Trey and Ayton... I feel pretty good about that. So I hated that surprised me. Aiton went really high. I hated that pick only because I was hoping I would get him at twenty four when I next pick, (laughs) Um, Uh and I hated even more when Ryan took Nikola Vucevic, uh, at seventeen. My, you know, my favorite. He's on the Mount Rushmore of players for me who don't play in Atlanta. I love, I love, I love Vuce, and
0: he's
3: fantastic. Played eighty games last year, same exact role with the same coach. Yeah. Uh, I'm into him. I will say that as my draft developed, I sort of backed into a punt free throw percentage build Mm -hmm. unintentionally. Um, So, Matt, I will give you the the rare on air, just just floating it that if you wanted to trade Andre Drummond for Nikola Vucevic, I would I would seriously consider it.
1: Whoa, whoa.
3: (laughs) Give, Give it some thought. We could talk off air no th- this this could have a lot of momentum
4: actually i say let's okay. just do it right now on the air like let's let's hit the buttons let's go at the
1: risk of like I, when someone offers me a trade i like to play it cool to some extent but but i will say straight up on the air in front of all these wonderful people i will do that trade all right i'll do it we got a done deal boom wow <laughs> this was way more productive than i thought it was gonna be that was incredible so i got i got i had 24 and 25 pick I took Mitchell Robinson 24 and Drummond 25 for the headlines. Drummond dropped to mm-hmm. 25. Yeah, I was surprised to see Drummond there. I mean, I felt like I had to take him because he's really good. But he's probably my only... I don't have that many shaky free throw shooters, so this actually makes a lot of sense.
3: Yeah, I think you you joked in the draft room, like, of course, uh, Curry is the perfect player to pair with Drummond. Like, right. You're <laughs> right. just cutting into one of Curry's prime <laughs> virtues. Right. Well, man. I'm we just... can we can correct all that with a simple trade. So man, there we go.
1: Amazing. Uh, <laughs> uh, oh, I'm, so now I'm just thinking about this trade now. I'm totally off the rails <laughs> here. Okay. All right. So I took those two guys, Robinson and Drummond. Uh, round three, we're back to Ryan, who takes Russell Westbrook, setting up the punt, which sets up the trade that we're talking about. Ryan, give, give us the sales pitch. You don't seem like a guy who's going to take Westbrook in a lot of leagues. Uh, give us the sales pitch. Yeah, I... I don't think I've
3: had Westbrook in five, six years. I can't remember the last time he was on my team. I just saw him there at 32, and huge counting stats. It just seemed like too good to pass up. This is a guy who's been top 15 for the past nine years, I believe, maybe 10, in 8-cat. He hasn't fallen below top 30, which he was uh, last year in 9-cat you know durability issues yes he's had all the knee surgeries but he's also played 80 81 80 and 73 games the past 4 years so it just seemed like a good enough shot and even the free throw percentage it's so bizarre he was above 80% for 7 consecutive years and then 2 years ago he dropped to 74% and last year 65 just it's inexplicable to me. I think it'll come up, but hey, uh, you know, if I can just punt free throw percentage, I don't have to worry about that. And um, his turnovers are the only other caveat. I'm hoping that playing alongside Harden will improve his field goal percentage because he'll get much easier looks, what be it from the arc or slashing through the paint with defenses collapsed. Um, so yeah, I just figured, hey, a potential triple-double guy with a couple steals
1: per game, I couldn't pass it up. I mean, if his free throw percentage comes up, he is he is wildly undervalued. Um, even going relatively high in drafts, I yeah I don't know. It's so weird what happens with guys' free throw percentages. Um, I'm, I'm not and I'm not gonna spend five minutes here talking about Luka Doncic's free throw percentage, but I could. Uh, Steve and I could get into a whole sidebar here. We're not going to. Uh, all right. So Steve, you took Lamarcus Aldridge at 34. No, I mean I can't really quibble with that. If this is this. I was talking to Tommy about. Old guys in this draft and in many recent drafts I've been doing are crazy undervalued. Well, it's funny because I don't... And
4: LaMarcus Aldridge is not a guy that I draft. Just sort of like Ryan getting Russell Westbrook, kind of the same thing. I was I was under the impression that this was a play two center draft, <laughs> and it is not. It's a one-center draft, but <laughs> I'm in like 12 Yahoo leagues, and most of them, it, you have to start two centers, and I just... Had that mindset. and All the centers were flying off the board. I mean, you went back-to-back centers, Matt. And I looked, and there weren't many left. I was like, I need a center. Aldridge is solid. I'm just going to take him. And I I also um, did something I don't normally do in this draft, which was build a free-throw-friendly team. And Aldridge shoots really well from the line. So I was like, he he works there, and he's safe. I'm just going to take him. I was mad that uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. went... Uh, right in front of me to david though
1: uh yeah so (laughs) no i mean i think you're gonna be happy with aldridge i really don't have a lot to say about him i couldn't really bring myself to draft him in any of my leagues but i think people who draft him will be happy that they did especially given the price tag then you go sga as we mentioned at 39 ruining mike gallagher's day i'm pretty sure uh, Ryan, you come back and take D'Angelo Russell at forty-one. Is that a guy you've been drafting a bunch of places? I
3: have. I think he's he's got top forty potential easily. I think he's set up really nicely next to Steph. They're going to stagger them, so when Steph is off the court, it's going to be D'Angelo Russell running the offense. He's going to get tons of three pointers. I think his assists should be nice. We're talking about a you know he's coming off an All Star season, perfectly in his prime. He's got a lot to play for this year. So. Yeah, he's just a safe pick to me, and there aren't many guards around that point that I'm super interested in. Ja Morant went one spot before me. I might have taken Morant, but in 9-cat, I'm a little bit leery. I didn't want to pile on. I had just taken Westbrook, so I don't want to get another guy who might hurt my field goal percentage. Massive turnovers.
1: So, yeah, Russell just seemed like a like a safe play. The price tag has really only gone up on Morant. It's getting to the point where like, I was kind of hoping. I picked up 48 and 49, and I was hoping he would I would get him there. But no, I got. Yeah, he w- he was going in the 60s a couple, like a month or two ago. Yeah, yeah. I got Tobias Harris, 48. Not an old guy, but a guy who I think people think of as boring. And therefore, he's super easy to get in drafts. Sometimes, like I have so many Tobias Harris and Al Horford combos. I, I'm <laughs> almost terrified. I I, f- I feel really good about that. But I'm almost terrified. Like, it was so easy to get them in all of my drafts. Like maybe everyone's just smarter than me, and I'm the. If you can't spot the sucker in the room, you are the sucker. <laughs> you no, know, I think he's he's one of those guys like Aldridge, right, Steve? The they don't have that like
3: over the top excitement factor, right? It's we always talk about guys you draft in the draft room, and no one's going to be like, oh, you sniped me, <laughs> right? And and yeah, those are league league winning type guys.
4: Yeah, I was going to say, did you do you have Aldridge along with Horford and
3: Tobias? <laughs> there in you
1: go. I got zero. I have zero Lamarcus Aldr- Aldridge's um, I got Jamal Murray at 49th. Not a guy that I have taken in many leagues, but I talked myself into it. Uh, I think that he, at worst, is going to be around a top 50 guy. And, you know, his numbers have kind of been steadily rising every year. Um, so I think there's a chance that he outperforms, you know, the 50 range. I dig that. Pick. I
3: don't really know why Jamal Murray is falling so much. Um, right? Doesn't it seem like everyone's cooled off? And... Yeah.
1: Yeah. It feels like 50 is like around his floor. Don't you think? I mean, or 50-60 is around his floor, like, as as a per game I, value? I would say
3: so, yeah. I mean,
1: dude doesn't
3: miss games. Uh, his scoring, as you pointed out, his scoring's gone up every year in the league. Rebounds have gone up. Assists have gone up. Uh, field goal percentage floundered a little bit last year, but he's killer from the line. Um, yeah, I don't see why. You know, I, I typically get him. Where would you get him? 49, you said? Yeah. I typically get him. He'll be there at 60 half the time. It's crazy.
1: Yeah. Well, I was picking... I would get, have 20 however many picks until my next pick, 23 or whatever, until I picked again. So I kind of had to, being at one being at one end of these drafts, you have to sometimes reach for guys, um, or you're just in an awkward spot and you know you're not going to get some of your favorite players like Kelly Oubre, who I really couldn't get in this draft. Right. Ryan, you pick next at 56. Your fifth pick, you take Julius Randle, who is really rising in drafts. Um, I think people are just realizing that he's going to have a massive role for the Knicks. This is part of your inadvertent free throw punt strategy, I imagine. <laughs> it really is.
3: And even D'Angelo Russell, if you look, I don't think he's ever shot better than 78% from the line. So it's not like he's some, you know, massive free throw boon. Um, but yeah, Randall looks like a lock for 20 and 10 at least. He could have four or five assists per game if the ball's in his hand, especially since none of the Knicks point guards have really stepped up. They, it looks like a hot mess to me. Uh, The only thing that's not great is defensive stats. You want more steals, more blocks. But he did have career highs in both of those categories last year, and he's never played more than 30 minutes. He's definitely going to clear that bar. Well, 30.6 last year, but I think he's in the 32-plus range with New York. So I'm expecting another career year, and if I can get him...
1: Where I got him, I, I love that pick. If he gets over one steal and one block, if he—I think he was at like zero point seven and zero point six or something like that last yep. year. If he can get over those, forget it. I mean, he's he's an absolute monster. Yeah. So, so that's all. Do you have any any
3: I, I, Randall shares, Steve?
4: I think I don't have any Randall shares, but I know that um, uh, my buddy Brian drafted Julius Randall, I think, with the tenth pick in the second round in one of my drafts. Wow. Wow. And yeah. I, you know Brian it's Brian Brian my boy from Guster and he he he's written guest daily doses for me. He's a basketball
1: head. Knows he knows what's too. going on. He
4: he ate the Julius Randle hype
1: and went for
4: it. So Was that It'll the be five category league though? No, it's
1: a 10 team league. Okay. No, is... no, no. I thought but you said you're in a five category league with no percentages, no turnovers. I was wondering if that's where you took Randle.
4: No. Okay. It's a, it is a, kind of a points
1: league, though, I think. Gotcha. All right, so Steve, yeah. you have the 58th pick. And by the way, we're not going to go through all 16 rounds. This draft went super long. It went 192 picks. We're not going <laughs> to you know, go to the bitter end here. We'll probably do the first half of our teams and then highlight any you know, second half of your squad players you guys like. At 58, you spice things up in a major way. And at 63, Steve, I'll, two very spicy picks, Marvin Bagley and Josh Richardson. <laughs>
4: Uh, yeah, I was pretty fired up that Bagley was sitting there that late. I, I kind of thought he was he would be gone, um, but like Lori Markin and Zion, we didn't talk about Zion. Zion went with the second round, second pick of round five. We could probably hmm. spend the rest of the podcast talking about that alone. But uh, so that was interesting <laughs> that Zion went before Marvin Bagley. I'm a huge Bagley fan this year. I, I think he's really going to bust out in Sacramento. Um, it's good all-around player, and then Josh Richardson is sort of like one of those glue guys that does everything and, and holds mm-hmm. your team together.
1: Uh, by the way, you know whose team Bagley would look really good on is the Ryan Canales team with the free throw with the free throw punt going on. Bagley. I don't think I have another trade in me, but we could. <laughs> by the way, that's that's in your inbox, Ryan. That's has like been sent the... over. Oh, okay, all right. Yeah, maybe it, be, it might be nice to, you know. To give the people this satisfaction, Cons-
3: consummate this on air. Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> uh, anyways, so yeah, I really like Bagley. I really didn't get him in many of my drafts. In fact, any of my drafts, because uh, people are onto it. This is not this is not one where he's falling super far, and you can yeah uh, the, just grab him.
3: There's that that kind of middle pack of big men. Like you got Julius Randle, uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. Usually, Thomas Bryant is kind of in that group. Uh, Larry Markinen and you mentioned and hey if Bagley's the one who falls furthest out of that group and you can get him at 58 i think that's brilliant and both of those picks Bagley and Josh Richardson definitely elicited groans in the in the draft room mhm
1: um so Ryan you come back and crush my soul not that i thought that i would get him but you took Jonathan Isaac yeah i just loved Isaac
3: you know looking at my team i wanted some defensive stats He's an absolute breakout candidate. You know, pretty much everyone from beat writers to casual fantasy hoops fans expect big things from Jonathan Isaac. This is finally the year I think his growth has gotten there. He's coming into the season healthy, and that's key, because injuries have really derailed him early in seasons and gotten off to slow starts. been a little bit disappointing, but I think this year's the year. Maybe. I do not
4: have any Isaac shares. I'm still scared of him. Uh, I I guess... We've just heard so much hype for the last two years. Like, he's going to be so yeah. good. And, and it just has never come to fruition. But like you said, he's been injured. Um, maybe this is the year that it happens. I think, on the flip side of that, round six is a good spot to take a gamble on Isaac. Um, I think round six is where you want to take the boomer bus bust guy. Yeah. You know, Isaac is so young and has so much upside. He If he goes off, um, he can win you your league uh, in the sixth round. If he... If he's a total bust, you know, you can probably overcome losing it, you know, not using your sixth rounder
1: um yeah
3: too much. Another example of that would be Terry Rogier, who went one pick before me to David. He's the kind of guy like, Yeah, why not take a swing at him at sixty-four overall? If he goes off for the Hornets in a lead guard position, which he very well could, then you you have
1: a home run on your hands. And if he's if he's not then so be it Rozier's line stat line that one preseason stat line I think he had like 24.7 rebounds eight assists shot something like nine for 15 from the field that was a real eye-opener because he's a guy who if he can shoot just decently um, and not just be a total sink in that category he is going to be phenomenal to have in fantasy leagues this year yeah but the problem is that was the only game he did that
4: in the rest (laughs) of them were (laughs) trash (laughs) yeah I like like him him. I
1: would have taken Rozier there but he was not. He was another guy who you were getting no no draft day discount on him. People were very aware of his situation. He was going relatively high in drafts. I think he was really pretty high up on the board, like in the draft applet for ESPN and Yahoo. He what you know, his yeah. default draft position was pretty high. Yep, and that doesn't help. So I took Kyle Lowry and Al Horford um, at seventy two and seventy three. I just I don't know. You know, I I, I don't set out to take. The boring, quote-unquote boring old guys, but when they fall yeah. that far and they're potential top 30 guys, I just feel like it has to be done at that point.
3: I, I love those picks. The only guy I might have taken over them right there is Miles Bridges, who who might yeah. get a couple picks later. But you look at guys who went right after Lowry and Horford, Jeremy Lamb, Joe Ingles, Derek Favors, Fred Van Vliet. Like, yeah, I'd rather have proven guys with top 30 value year after year after year. Injured Victor even-
4: Oladipo. <laughs>
3: Yeah. So, no, I I liked those picks. As you said, if the value falls far enough, at some point you just have to say,
1: okay, and and take them. So I, I was really thinking about Miles Bridges there, but I sort of had a moment of clarity where, like, Miles Bridges is more exciting, it's more fun to take him, but the chances of him having a higher, you know, a better fantasy season than Horford or Lowry, I don't think is very high. You know, I think Bridges can easily be like a top 50 guy, but is he a top 30 guy? I I can't really picture that, but maybe. And as for, I talked to Tommy before about Oladipo. He said, he he felt like he kind of reached on that one. He didn't call it a panic pick, but I got the vibe that it was a bit of a panic pick.
3: Yeah, there's one IR spot in this league, but you don't really want to tie that up so early because then if someone else, I mean, he's got Chris Paul on his team. He's got LeBron. If one of those guys gets hurt, Suddenly, you're just picking up zeros because you've already got Oladipo stashed until. Although it sounds like he's trending in the right direction, right? He might play five on five soon, so it
1: sounds like he could be back by December-ish. Right. Um, But yeah, that's that's tough. That was part of Tommy's reasoning. Is yeah, it it does sound relatively positive. And and as I said to him, like in a league like this, if you get Oladipo back, I mean that's going to be a huge boost for your squad if you can weather the storm until then. Let's see what else. What what other picks do we want to talk about? Steve, you in the middle of this draft, in the 7th, 8th, and ninth rounds, go Gallinari, who I thought was a great get at 82. Then you get R.J. Barrett at 87, another, I think, exciting pick. Mm-hmm. And then old Serge Ibaka from <laughs> Team Team Old, although he's only like 29, or maybe he's 30, at 106.
4: Yeah, um, I was pretty psyched about Danilo Gallinari. I, I feel like the injury history is is a thing of the past, and maybe we can move forward now. Uh, I love the fact that Oklahoma City doesn't have a lot of guys who are going to be dynamic scorers, so Gallo and SGA should both go nuts there. So I'm fired up about that. R.J. Barrett, I think, has a really good chance to be Rookie of the Year. I think he has a really good chance to play tons of minutes in New York and, and do a lot of things for them. So tons of upside there, and... You know, round eight seems like the right time to pull the pull the trigger on that one. Brandon Clark went directly after him, too. Who I was also looking at, and then you know, Derek or not Derek Favorite. I I get Derek and Serge mixed up. Serge Ibaka, he does feel like an old guy. He does feel like a safe guy, but you know, I mean, slow and steady,
3: slow and steady. That's what we're going with on that one. <laughs> I I like those picks. My only. Question would be what makes you think Gallinari is over his injury concerns? <laughs> this is a guy. I mean, he's played more than sixty-three games once in the past five years. Yeah, it was
4: last
1: year, man. He's all good now. Yeah. <laughs> all right. There. You, there you have <laughs> it. I mean, the thing about Gallinari is, I think you could have a perception of him if you don't watch him play a lot, that he's kind of like you know old on the wrong side of thirty and like broken down. But if you watched him last year, like he's still a very right. dynamic player. Like he sure. You know, he still brings a lot to the table. So I, I think at 82, I agree with Ryan. Like, I think the risk is still there. But at 82, you you are playing with house money. And he was, to
3: to back off my criticism of him, he was a top 20 player after the break last year. Yeah. He was absolutely lights out for fantasy. So, well, and I also, yeah, might as well... He, one of those guys, you might as well take a shot at in, in the 80s.
4: I also don't feel like he's around the rim as much as he was. Like, when he, when he first came in the league in, in New York and everything, I mean, he was... He was going pretty hard. I mean, I felt felt like Dwayne Wade was always on the floor after every shot, and, and Gallo was was a lot more aggressive back then than he is now. So I, th- I think he's also trying to take care of himself better. But yeah, that's whether that works or not, I don't know. But I, I'll, I'll throw the dice at 80.
1: All right, so Ryan, in the middle of your draft, you go Lonzo Ball, 80th. Montrez Harrell at 89, Brandon Ingram 104. The free throw punt is just flying. It's just, it's just soaring, it's flourishing right at this point. Gorgeous. This is a majestic. This is a majestic free throw punt. Uh, and OG Ananobi at 113, who's also a horrid free
3: throw shooter. So. <laughs> yeah. And then I, I came back two picks later with Jalen Brown, who can't make a free throw to save his life. Uh, Jakob Pertle later in the draft. So you got Andre Yeah, Drummond. as I said, I. I yeah, I backed into this well uh, this free throw pump. But by the way, Matt, just for the record, I have officially accepted your trade. Oh, you did? Yeah, oh. So we got we got this done.
1: Nice. I, for some reason, v- I didn't get a notification. I got to go check my settings on the team. Oh my yeah, settings on the team.
3: Vooch is now yours. Oh, Drummond man. is
1: currently on my bench. All feels all feels right. I felt strangely imbalanced today walking around. I, I, I have not <laughs> felt like myself most of the first part of the day, but I, I felt a calm come over me just now. Ah, uh, very good. <laughs> Anyways, yeah. So, I I think Lonzo 80th is I wouldn't call it madness, but it feels like a gr- just a great value for you.
3: Yeah, another guy who just just fell. I th- I feel like in this league there were so many players getting sniped. Everyone was reaching for quote unquote their guys. Right. And therefore, a guy guy like Lonzo, who no one's like super excited about on the Roto World crew. Just kind of fell and fell and fell, and I'm, you know, I never target him, but if he's there at 80, for sure. Same with Montrezl Harrell, he's not a guy I own in many leagues, but when we're coming up on the hundred mark and he's sitting there, he's a great player. I think a lot of people don't see how good he is for fantasy. He's probably not going to start; they're going to put him behind Zubats to begin games, but he's the guy to own. He was easily top 60 last year; could be even better this year. So, um, I love him. And then Ingram. You know, the percentages are killer. I get it. There's not a lot of supporting stats, but he's in a perfect spot in New Orleans. With Zion out, it's it's going to be even more action run through him. We saw him fare really well starting at power forward the other night without Zion.
1: So yeah, just all kind of value picks that kept falling to me. And so scoop him up. Yeah, he's a must. Ingram is a, is not a guy I'm drafting, really, but he's a must if you're punting free throws or if you have backed, backed yeah, into punting free throws. <laughs> Accidentally. Uh, all right, so... Let's, back, let's look back at my team. After Lowry and Horford, I take DeLon Wright at 96, DeAndre Hunter at 97. That's a, I acknowledge that I reached a little bit for DeAndre Hunter there, but I was starting to get annoyed with people taking all the exciting players I actually <laughs> wanted, and I, I knew Steve had would have a couple shots at taking Hawks after this, so I said, screw it. I'm taking Hunter. I feel pretty excited about him, actually. Having watched a good amount of Hawks preseason, he's got he pretty much has it all. Like he has size, his outside shot looks really good. He can get to the rim. I think the X factor is how many defensive stats he can get, but he's going to be in a position and on the floor a lot for the Hawks.
4: Yeah, I took him in that live draft we did. Uh, I haven't been drafting him as much since then because his preseason was quiet, and I've started having some buyer's remorse a little bit. But I mean, you got him late enough that I, I like it. I, I would have con- definitely considered him right there.
1: Yeah, I mean, he didn't—he didn't have like a any single preseason line that where he really like blew up, but he had multiple mm. double-digit games. He's involved in the offense, like they let him play as a secondary ball handler a good amount. Like he's—he's he's running some pick and rolls. He's not just—he is sitting in the corner some, but he's not just you know waiting in the corner for for. They call him a three and D guy, but I mean, he's more than that. He's—he's he's more of a complete offensive player, and I am—I'm super excited about him. Yeah, I've been taking him.
3: He's kind of in the same camp in terms of where he's
1: being drafted and
3: just as rookies as Jarrett Culver. I like Culver's overall game a little bit more, but I like Hunter's position better. I think he's, yeah. you know, they're going to play him 30-plus minutes. They're going to, as you said, put the ball in his hands. Uh, just an easier path to playing time and fantasy value. And then what do you think, to to pivot a little bit about Cam Reddish, Hunter's teammate? I don't know too much about him, frankly, and didn't watch him in the preseason very much. He went at 122 in
1: this draft. Is that a reach, or is that reasonable? I, I, I'll let Steve weigh in in a second. I think it is somewhere between a reach and reasonable because reddish had some flashes in preseason where he looked the part and I think I think it's going to be more of a long term thing for it to click in for him, but I think it could happen this season. You know what I mean? I mm-hmm. think the light could yeah. it seems like there were moments where, you know, it looked like the game's kinda got to slow down for him a little bit. He's a little out of control, gets his shot blocked, you know, but he definitely has the tools I think. And he's going to play too, even if it's only like 25-ish minutes a game. They said something like he's going to set to play 20 minutes opening night, but Pencilman for, you know, maybe 25-ish minutes a game for the first yeah. stretch of the season. And in a deep league, there's potentially some value there. Field goal percentage might be an issue, et cetera. But I, I think he it okay. could all click in for him at some point to reiterate my earlier point.
4: Yeah. I don't have a problem with Cam Reddish there. Um, uh... You know there was so much hype on him in college, and he was he was supposed to be the man. He was supposed to be the number one pick, and then he he struggled. Uh, he was playing with RJ, and and um, he just didn't have a very good year last year. But I I think that there's a reason people were super high on him, and I think the Hawks is a good spot for him to have landed. So I I'm I'm fine with it.
1: The pick that killed me, so. In addition to our, our Roto-World writing team, we have a reader or two in this league, a Roto-World reader or two. We also have Jung Q from our, our web development team, and he just gut-punched me a couple of times in this draft. He's picking second, so coming back towards me at the end of uneven-numbered rounds. He got Pascal mm-hmm. Siakam at 23rd right before me. I was I was devastated by that, and he just crushed me again by taking Darius Garland at 119. Is Garland a guy that you guys like? i like him well enough i'm a little (laughs) bit mike mike got me a little bit nervous
3: about his his health i guess the Cavs are going to be super cautious with him he was a little banged up in preseason i guess i just look at can he get assists because he's a good shooter in college he had solid percentages he can shoot lights out from deep i think he's got enough quickness to create his own shot we'll see we'll see how that develops but can he be a playmaker and can he chip in enough steals to really help you um, So I, I'm I'm wondering will he just be a hollow points and three pointers guy in which case he's probably going to be overdrafted even at 120 or can he become a more well rounded guy next to Colin Sexton and frankly it doesn't even seem like the Cavs know so yeah we'll we'll see
1: yeah I don't know I I just was watching some of his preseason video and he just looks like the, the real deal to me you know like a like a dude who can create his own shot he can he can cut off the ball I saw a couple nice passes. I think he's the real thing. So for me, the only question is really, yeah, if they're going to baby him and be really careful with him, that's going to be annoying. But if they cut him loose and he gets to play 30 minutes, for any stretch where he's playing like 30 minutes, I think he's going to be dynamic. But we'll Well, see. One
3: thing I love about about his position is we've already seen the Cavs unleash Colin Sexton, right? So we we know that they're comfortable just turning a guard loose,
1: let him play through mistakes. So, yeah, I I think that, that works in his favor. And average two assists a game. We also know that Colin Sexton is yeah. not a point guard, is what I was going to say. Yeah, so I think Garland will get his chance to run the show, and I do think he's more of a point guard than Sexton. I mean, he's definitely a scoring guard, but I think, yeah, well, everyone's more of a point guard than Sexton. But that's true. <laughs> Sexton is a guard who guard who dribbles. You know what I mean? More than <laughs> I was, a point guard.
3: That's a good description.
1: I was pretty mad in round
3: ten
4: uh, when Jared took Tori and Prince right right in front of me. I was all yeah. I was all locked and loaded. I mean, he's had a great preseason. There should be a nice route to everything for him in Brooklyn this year. So I was kind of fired up about Prince. I ended up taking Dwayne Bacon specifically because I read in a Roto World blurb that he might
1: be the number two scoring option in Charlotte. So there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. i took bacon in the 30 team league yeah mm. he, he's at, at that late in this draft yeah to some extent you're looking for guys who are going to be on the floor producing something for you because we are we are starting all these guys that we're talking about <laughs> like og yeah. and is starting for you ryan right yeah i think he is yeah. which i'm fine with he's
3: looked awesome this preseason yeah so he's he's really shot up my draft board i think i got him at like 170 almost in 30 deep but yeah. I, I took them 113 in this league, so.
1: Yeah, we, this is a league where we went 16 rounds and we're starting 12 guys. So, yeah, I mean, I looked up this morning and I was like, oh, I, Kobe White is in my starting lineup. <laughs> <laughs> that I wouldn't feel comfortable about. But. <laughs> Kobe White or, like, Derek Jones Jr. I had some weird flyers at the end of this draft. You know, I got J.J. Redick super late, like round 11,
4: and with the Zion injury, I, 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 just, like that. I feel like J.J.'s going to have a, have a, a lot of stuff, a lot, a lot of good things going on in New Orleans.
1: Yeah, are there any? I was talking to Tommy about what a wasteland it is at the end of this draft beyond what I call the Dwayne Dedman line. Uh, are there any late round <laughs> picks that really, other late round picks that that stand out to you guys before we get out of here? Because it's it's bleak. I mean, I'm looking like there's well, nothing. Well, I think that, I can't believe we haven't done it yet. But
4: um, oh boy. Yeah, I think you know where I'm going here. I know, and I'm going to step away for a little bit. Michael Gallagher took Marquise Chris in round 13, (laughs) which is incredible. Uh, (laughs) First of all, I can't believe Marquise Chris was taken in the 13th round. I also can't believe Mike Gallagher took him. Uh, That's pretty awesome. Uh, It'll be funny to see how that goes and and interesting, I think. Uh, Mike? You know, they're talking – talk a lot of game about how what a great teammate he is what a great young man and he's <laughs> we're gonna revamp his career and we're
1: gonna do this so uh you know it's a good sign when they're talking about what a great young man he is mike had the most mike draft ever for the first half he went you know harden mitchell bam out thomas bryant lavert Dejounte murray miles bridges tyler harrow all of a sudden, he goes, Gordon Hayward at pick 100. And he even commented on it in the draft room, like, what did I just do there? Um, <laughs> yeah. Not that it's a bad pick. I'm not drafting Hayward anywhere. But it just, as Mike said, is very not on brand for Mike. And then, yeah, Marquise Chris at 148. Um, I I, just, I can't believe it. I can believe it's a thing, but I can't believe it's a thing.
4: I think it's a great thing to end, end this
3: podcast on.
1: I agree. We might end yeah, every, every episode. I can't
3: outdo Marquise Chris for sure. Steve, I think
1: Marquise Chris might be the new Emmanuel Moutier of this season. It's very possible that when we're giving out the waiver wire awards at the end of the year, Marquise Chris is getting some kind of honor. Is he going to be serviceable, though? (laughs) Well, that's the thing with him is he hasn't been able to stay above that serviceable line. You know what I mean? (laughs) He's been kind of all or nothing. He's been spectacular when he's been on, but all too often he has not been serviceable.
4: Matt, you seem to be down on Dwayne Dedman. Like, once we hit the Dwayne Dedman phase of any draft, (laughs) the draft should be officially over at that point. I mean, is he not going to start at center and and potentially put up some decent numbers this year?
1: No, I I never said I was... I want to be clear. I want to be clear, and I'm going to go on the record here. I'm not down on Dwayne Dedman. I just think he is the line. I think after Dedman... Tommy and I were saying Tommy made the analogy, it's like two AM at the club. Nothing good happens after Dwayne Deadman in a draft this year. Gotcha. It's just that's the line. Like Dwayne Deadman's gone. All right. I can I'm out of this draft. Like I'm gonna just set my cue. I'm gonna let this thing play out without me. It's over. The draft oh, yeah, is yeah. over. People are gonna be picking for like four more rounds, but the draft is effectively over after Dwayne Deadman. <laughs> <laughs> so that's my thought. No, I think yeah, he can be funny. useful this year. I can, I think he can be useful. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well That brings us to the end of this Wednesday episode. Thanks to Tommy, Ryan, and Steve. If you want to follow Ryan, he is at kanaus underscore W. Steve is at Doctora. You probably know how to spell that, right? D-O-C-K-T-O-R-A. Don't forget to rate and review the show. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you listen. We're here every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday throughout the season. Mike Gallagher hosts the Friday episode. That is it. Thank you all for listening. Enjoy this first week of the season. We will talk to you soon. Steve, goodbye.
0: Bye. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters